Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Chapel Hill. All right. Well, um, so we've been, I've been on, in the series for a few weeks called The Ways of Jesus. And uh, have you ever discovered that uh, Jesus' ways seem to be a little bit different than yours? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of obvious, right? Like, mm, man, Lord, the way you think about stuff, I don't know if I think that way. Or as you read through the New Testament, through the Gospels, what you just did there, I'm not sure if I would handle that situation that way. Has anybody ever felt like that, like me? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so the first two weeks, um, I was talking about mindsets. And then uh, the third part was on expectations. So today, I want to talk about um, spiritual understanding. Okay, spiritual understanding. And um, last week, we were going to go into this. And then as the Holy Spirit led, we ended up having a lot of prophetic words over the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah. How many people remember that? You were here for that. And uh, so there were some really great words given that I believe weren't just individual words. But they were corporate. You can go back on our YouTube channel and, and re-listen to some of those. Take them for your own if you want to. And uh, sometimes I think prophetic words work that way. And you, I've even been in situations where like a particular person was getting prophesied over. And I was like, well, I'm going to get in on that one. Yeah, the Lord might say that's for him, but I, that's for me. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slide into the DMs there from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit in that regard. So um, that was last week. And as, as Pamela said, the year of the open door. And I believe that in this year that God is in, again, the, the Jewish New Year on, on God's calendar, in this year, this open door, one of the applications is it, is, of it is for spiritual understanding. Has anybody ever been to a church or read the scripture or whatever? You're like, gosh, I'm just not sure if I get it. I'm just not sure if I'm understanding. And the truth is, the Bible teaches throughout that even just to be born again, we have to have the mind of our heart enlightened. Yeah. And meaning it has to open just to begin a relationship with Jesus. Then once that begins, how many know we go for the rest of our lifetimes Growing in our spiritual, I'm going to call it spiritual intelligence, yeah. our spiritual understanding. Come on. Now, you know, it's funny because, and I love this too, and I'm probably as infatuated with it as anybody, but the world is absolutely on fire about AI. You know what I'm talking about? Artificial intelligence. I mean, everywhere you go, every magazine you open, every news broadcast, from medical research to, I mean, journalism. I mean, a lot of the Hollywood boycott from the Actors Guild was due to they, they were concerned that their contracts would be protected, that these actors weren't going to be replaced by AI impersonation, right? So it doesn't matter where you go, from doctors to Hollywood, the world is concerned and fascinated with artificial intelligence. Are you? Well, I mean, it's okay. I mean, I think it's, you know... It's, it's fascinating. I mean, it's wild. I can think back to some movies that I like from the 90s that it's almost like, were those movie writers and creators prophets? Because you can watch some movies from way before we even could fathom that this sort of technology would exist. 
And um, so it predicts, it, it predicts right now a lot of good, yet it could destroy the world as we know it. <laughs> so that, that is rightfully concerning. Um, but here's the thing. Artificial intelligence or AI is simply a counterfeit to what we've been given in Christ. Because the Bible says that we've been given the mind of Christ. It's really not the mind of our brain as much as it is the mind of our hearts. That's the true biblical mind. In the Greek, it's coined, it's, um, oh, what's that word? Not koinonia, that's the wrong one. Dianoia, thank you, Kathy. It's the dianoia is the Greek word for the mind of your heart. And did you, you need to understand that from that mind, you've been given not AI, but SI, spiritual intelligence. Look at Matthew 13, verse 54. This is what happened with a 12-year-old. Because even a, a, a child at 12, my daughter's uh, 12, Lydia, the redhead, that's a seventh grader, if you're trying to track with that. Oh, there you are, Lydia. Raise your hand. So Lydia, she's 12. Stand up, Lydia. Let me embarrass you. See how beautiful she is? Isn't she amazing? <laughs> She'll get me later. Dad. But as a seventh grader, and I've taught middle schoolers, I've been around a lot of seventh graders or 12, 11 to 13 year olds. It's so fascinating, their wonder for learning. Like they have this desire to know stuff and their intellect has hit this point where they're growing in their ability to, but yet they're not jaded by the rigors of some of the things that in later um, teenage years, I've seen teenagers get jaded by. And so what fascinates me is that the very son of God, the man, the man child, Jesus, who was also the son of God in his deity, yet surrendered that to become a man, as Philippians 1 tells us, he was right at that age when what we're about to read happened. And so when Jesus arrived in his hometown of Nazareth, he began teaching the people in the synagogue. Everyone was dazed, overwhelmed with astonishment over the depth of revelation they were hearing. And I've got this wrong. I do apologize. I jumped into a scripture that I meant to save for later, but that's okay. He's not 12 at this point, but we'll get back to 12. He's, he's a little bit older now, all right? But it still fits. Over, so everyone was dazed when an older Jesus began to teach in the synagogue, overwhelmed with astonishment over the depth of revelation they were hearing. They said to one another, where did this man get such great wisdom and miraculous powers? Isn't he just the craftsman's son? Isn't his mother named Mary and his four brothers, Jacob, Joseph, Simon, and Judah? And don't his sisters all live here in Nazareth? From where then did he get all this revelation and power? And the people became offended and began to turn against him. Jesus said, there's only one place a prophet isn't honored, and that's in his hometown. And look at this. And their unbelief kept him from doing many mighty miracles in Nazareth. Now, this was after he had grown up from age 12. He was a young man, probably around 20-ish, in his 20s at this point. And it says, astonished over the revelation. 
<laughs> you know, to get astonished over the revelation as people are hearing this guy who as a 12-year-old actually began to receive this revelation from heaven, began to gain in his spiritual intelligence. Another quote from that passage we just read was that everyone was dazed, overwhelmed with astonishment. Literally, that, those words mean it was like they had the breath knocked out of them. Yet, so, oh my God, I can hardly breathe. This is so incredible. Yet, as soon as their minds caught up with what they were feeling in their hearts, what happened? They were offended. Why? Because you see, Jesus offends the mind to reveal what's in our hearts. And from that day, even up till now, that's still the way things are working here. This is why so many in the world have such a difficult time with the claims of Jesus. Because I'll grant it, it doesn't make complete logical sense. Because it was never meant to. Because it's a spiritual intelligence that's far different than an intellectual intelligence. So here's what I see happening in this passage. At first... The people are listening, the people who are listening hear the very words of life, and they know it. They, at the deep depths of their heart, they know that this is truth. And so they hear the very words of life that the mind of their hearts identify as being from God, but very quickly, their brains catch up with trying to make sense of what this young man from their neighborhood is actually teaching, and it doesn't make logical sense. So how do they respond? They reject him and his message, which limited the power of even the Son of God. This is what's at stake. Unbelief among believers will quench and limit the power and authority of heaven in our lives. Randy Clark refers to, he's an evangelist, you don't know who that is, but Dr. Randy Clark, he refers to this as unbelieving believers. In other words, they believe in Jesus just enough, like we'll just say, just enough to get into heaven. But after that, there's so much unbelief about the power and supernatural activity of God that he's wanting to do in their lives that they keep it at a safe distance. What should we do? Receive spiritual revelation from heaven? That very thing opens the door for the power of heaven to flood into our situations. Here's my takeaway on this. Earlier in the chapter, Jesus is teaching parables. And when the 12 were astonished and blown away, he encourages them. It's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Okay. Then here in his hometown, friends and family hear similar teaching and are also blown away. But they are unable to receive like the 12 and his followers nearby. So what about you? What about us? What about now? Are we hometown Christians? Or are we like the 12 and his other followers? Those that will become like trusting children, hungry to receive like middle schoolers, every wondrous word from his mouth that will reveal things hidden to us and break the chains and the power of God will be demonstrated around us. I became familiar with um, two Greek words I want to share with you from the New Testament. As you may know, most of the New Testament was originally written in Greek. And so these two Greek words are sunesis 
and phronesis. Okay, you got that? Sunesis, S-U-N-E-S-I-S, and phronesis, P-H-R-O-N-E-S-S. Sunesis is what I'm going to focus on today. It's spiritual wisdom. It's spiritual understanding. We're going to see three passages with it in a minute. It's spiritual intelligence, as I've used. And phronesis, we'll get to next week, is more of the practical application. It's the practical wisdom of things, all right? So here's where I intended to start back in Luke 2. I also read this last week real quickly or referred to it. In Luke 2, 41, this is where the 12-year-old middle school Jesus was. And every year, Jesus' parents went to worship at Jerusalem during the Passover festival. When Jesus turned 12, his parents took him to Jerusalem to observe the Passover, as was their custom. A full day after they began their journey home, Joseph and Mary realized that Jesus was missing. They had assumed he was somewhere in their entourage, but he was nowhere to be found. Has any parent ever had that happen to you? Like, I accidentally left Anna Grace at home one time when she was about three. That was bad enough, but we weren't out in public somewhere where, um, you know, I think... I think some other people have some stories. You know, I can't, I mean, I can only imagine. I mean, I just barely couldn't find a kid like in a store somewhere. That's bad enough. You know, like the panic begins to set in. So your mom and dad's heart can empathize with Mary and Joseph in this situation. Like, what in the world? I thought you had him. I thought he was with you. You know, parents, you know what I'm talking about? After a frantic search among relatives and friends, Mary and Joseph returned to him in the temple, sitting among the Jewish teachers, listening to them and asking probing questions. All who heard Jesus speak were awestruck at his intelligent sunesis. Okay, the word understanding there is the Greek word sunesis that I'm talking about. So all who heard it were absolutely dumbfounded. They were awestruck. Like, how could this middle schooler, this 12-year-old, how could he possibly understand things on this level? They were awestruck at the intelligent understanding of all that was being discussed and his wise answers to their questions. So synesis is a mental slash spiritual putting together. You ever have one of those aha moments? It's sort of like that in the mind of your heart. Like, oh, like my mom last night in just conversation was just referring to how she once had that moment about a revelation of grace and the operation of grace in her life. I think if I can speak for you, she went for years and years as a Christian without a full biblical understanding of the power of grace um, to walk out the Christian life. And then she came into that and sort of had this, ah, oh. you see that sunesis. That's a growing of her spiritual intelligence, so to speak, or her spiritual understanding. And in this year of the open door, this is what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do for every person in this room. Is he's wanting you to bring you into not, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, as Solomon said. It's not new in a sense of no one's ever heard it or known it before. But how many people have ever experienced something that meant it was new to you? Like, wow, I never knew this before. I never understood things like this. And see, this is what's happened to this, this 12-year-old Jesus at this moment. Um, so it's a, a mental, spiritual putting together. 
the, of the intellect, knowledge and understanding. Um, here's, a couple, here's another one, Ephesians 3. I'm going to jump around just for a few minutes. Just read three passages and make some observations. In Ephesians 3, of course, Paul is writing this um, to a group of churches um, that we know as Ephesus. And it says this, For this wonderful mystery, which I briefly described, was given to me by divine revelation, so that whenever you read it, you will be able to understand my revelation and sunesis, my revelation and insight into the secret mystery of the Messiah. And in fact, Pamela, is that not what we were just praying? We were praying that like Paul, who was the Jew of Jews, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. In terms of book knowledge, he was the best. He was A-level, PhD quality, whatever you want to rank it. Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had probably most of the Torah, if not all of it, memorized. But yet he, until an encounter with a living Jesus, he's writing to recollect on these things. And he's like, it's only by spiritual intelligence that I know what I know, that I can understand. And he actually wrote a lot of this about this topic. Um, In Colossians, he writes about the wisdom of this world compared with the simplicity of understanding Christ. He refers to this, if you'll notice, throughout his letters in the New Testament. And so the first thing that I want you to remember is this is just simple. I've kind of already done this, but sunesis is spiritual revelation or divine knowledge. Sunesis is the heart knowledge that Jesus received, and we can as well. It's exactly what is needed in our world for the church right now. You understand that? It's really what we all need. We don't need to just know more. We need to know more. We don't just need to know more in our brain. You can know everything about God, but do you know God? Do you know your Father? Do you know the Holy Spirit? Are you one with them in Jesus? Are you intermingled and smashed up within the Trinity? Are you hearing the voices around the throne room? Are you in that intimate place of knowing that you know? If we're really honest, we're all on that journey, aren't we? And I hope you're excited because I believe this year of the open door is a a season to continue that journey. And God's going to accelerate you down this path. I mean, if you want it. God's a perfect gentleman. He's not forcing this on anybody. But how many are hungry? Like, I'm hungry in here. I just, I want every word from heaven. I want to open my Bible and know what is the Lord is trying to communicate. Because, you know, in church history, um, and I, I was talking about this last week, so I won't repeat it, but all the way from the Protestant Reformation of 1517, where for since the second to third century until then, so two or three hundred years, no, sorry, a thousand years, you had the what we call in history the Dark Ages. Anybody remember that? Well, do you know why they're called the Dark Ages? Let me give you a hint. It had nothing to do with the sun. It had to do with spiritual darkness. Why was there spiritual darkness? Because an understanding that to be saved is by grace through faith was virtually hidden by the church for people. Does that not blow your mind? 
Like, what? What do you mean how to be saved was hidden? Yeah, I mean, there was crazy stuff going on. Like getting, like paying indulgences to get your sins forgiven and people um, beating and, and whipping themselves. The monks, like Martin Luther did this, the one who, who had the revelation that started the Protestant Reformation. He would flagellate himself and starve himself and go sleep out in the cold to try to earn favor with God. Until one day he was reading in Romans where he read that the just shall be saved by faith. Yeah. And then he nailed the, the, the 95 reasons why the church had it wrong to the door in Wittenberg, Germany. And the rest is history. We're sitting here today because of that. Another lesson from church history has to do with the charismatic renewal that swept the nation from, let's say, I think the mid-1950s. Really, you could argue to this present day. But basically, the charismatic renewal was this. Similar to the, to the ignorance or unknowing about salvation by grace of the Protestant Reformation, a lot of the usage of and practice of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like prophecy or healing or um, you know, discernment or tongues or any of those things, it was largely um, hidden. And all of a sudden, in his divine, I mean, nobody knows why, and again, I'm not saying like no one was doing this because people were, but I'm talking about on mass for the, the global church. It was like the breath of the Holy Spirit began to breathe on things. And in every little or large Methodist, Southern Baptist, it started with an Episcopal priest out in California in our nation and swept across every single Catholic, Protestant denomination that you can imagine. Everywhere there were known as Spirit-filled believers in every church. And God didn't call them to come out and leave their church. They stay within their church and began to teach and to prophesy and to speak in tongues and to just all the fullness of what God had for us all along in the Bible. Where did this come from? Synesis. You see, a spiritual intelligence can only come from the Spirit of God. And I believe this is a year when that is beginning again to reverberate among us. Don't be surprised if you start to open your Bible or you're in a meeting. You're like, I never knew God like that. Did y'all know that he's a lion? My friend Marlon has this anointing to roar over people. And that might sound strange, but I'm telling you, I can vouch for it. He has roared into my belly before, and when he did, something happened. That's all I can tell you. Something good and something God happened. And I'm not trying to be charismania here. I'm just trying to say simply that there's things that we haven't necessarily experienced, but they're all in the book. Don't adopt your theology to what hasn't happened. If you can find it in the Bible, it's legal. Like there are demons, but there's angels. We do believe in tongues, but that's not all we did. Because we prophesy, as Paul said, is the greater gift. It's always God's will to heal. There's other things that stand in the way. But this is his heart. As Sarah said, I think if the story's not good, your story's not over. You know, he's working all things together for the good of those who are called. Another one that said, are y'all okay? Uh, I just... Sorry, I like to geek out on some 
I'm a history teacher by trade. So when I, I don't know, I, the charismatic renewal, and then one that really impacted my life, and I know a lot of people in this room, became known in history now as the Father's Blessing yeah. Revival out of Toronto, Canada, um, started in January of 1994. And uh, I forget, you might know, Pamela, but um, something like four, how many millions of people came through that one church? Four million? Within a number of years, over four million Christians got on planes from all over the world and came to this humble little church near the airport in Toronto, Canada, and the Spirit of God began to renew some things. They weren't new. Again, they've been in the Bible since the time of Christ. But they, he began to renew hunger. He began to new, renew, here's the main key thing, and this is the, thus the name of it. He began to renew a revelation of the Father. That we have a Father who is always good. And that I am a son. And you're a son or a daughter of the King Most High. And he loves you because he loves you. All that, that uh, Michael was ministering during worship. This was something not new again. But um, I remember in the late 70s and early 80s as I was a child. There was a, a tone or a mode on the church that wasn't that. <laughs> Dude, Dad, do you know what I'm saying? It, all I can say is, I mean, there was a lot of great stuff. And out of the Jesus movement, God did amazing stuff. So it wasn't wrong, but all of these revelations were building on one another. Yeah. Okay, So where the Jesus movement left off with their kind of soldiering Christianity and emphasis on radical evangelism and, you know, that kind of thing. The Father's blessing renewal, it, that, it took off from there and, and went to another level, okay, and began to renew other revelation because we're going from glory to glory. And God is forming his bride for his son, but that's us, the church, into the image and so I hope there's hunger in your heart to continue to be a part of that. Look at another one, uh, Colossians 2.2. 2. Again, Colossians, read that whole, that whole um, book. It's not very long. It's got some really good stuff to say on this. But he, he says this in this one verse. I am contending for you that your hearts will be wrapped. Now, again, this is the church. This is us that the Apostle Paul is writing to. That your hearts will be wrapped in the comfort of heaven. And woven together into love's fabric. Don't you love the way that's worded? That your hearts will be wrapped in the comfort of heaven. And woven together into love's fabric. Now look at how that's going to happen. This will give you access to all the riches of God as you experience the sunesis. That's the word there for revelation. As you experience the revelation or sunesis of God's great mystery of Christ. So number one, sunesis is spiritual revelation. We all want it. We need it. Number two, through the weaving together of the Father's love with your heart and the hearts of your church community around you, sunesis gives you access to all the spiritual riches of God. Does anybody understand what you feel like is your lack spiritually? Well, what you feel like is your lack is actually not a lack. It's just a revelation of something that's already there. 
So, for example, you may have seen somebody hear a word from God and then convey that to another person. We just simply define that as prophecy. Like, man, that was really cool. I mean, I was with Kathy Parker, and she was like, we were there, and this person she didn't even know, she's like, I just hear God saying da 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 And she told them they started weeping, and God began to do this thing. Man, I don't, I've never done anything like that. Well, did you know that it's not because Kathy is some extraordinary, well, she may be an extraordinary Christian, but it's not just because she's an extraordinary Christian that gives her that ability to hear God and then convey that message to somebody else. Every person in here can do that that has the spirit of Christ. If you're born again, you can do that. Just like Jesus said, go to the sick, put your hands on them, and heal the sick. Greater things than this that I'm doing, Jesus said, than you will do. He's talking to everybody. He's not talking to clergy. He's not lecturing in the seminary. He's speaking to every believer. And how do we gain access to the things that are already there? Synesis. Synesis is that Greek word for spiritual understanding as we allow the mind of Christ to connect with our hearts, wrapped up in his love like a warm blanket on a cold morning, and knit together with the people that are sitting around you. His church, as we're knit together, there becomes access to these things. Are you guys all right? Like one I had maybe 15 years ago was another Greek word called sozo. Is anybody familiar with sozo? Raise your hand if you understand what I'm talking about. If you don't know, Michael read um, John 3, 16 and 17, the most famous scripture in the Bible. Everybody knows that one, right? And in John 17, where, you know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the whole world that he sent his only begotten son. But in John 17, where it says, and Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Did you know that word saved could also be translated healed? How does somebody get healed in the same way someone gets saved? Did you know that word also includes getting delivered from demonic torment in their life? How does someone who's got demon issues get free from that? John 3, 16. In the same way, how about um, any good Southern Baptist in here? I went to a Southern Baptist school growing up. You know the Romans Road, John, uh, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans, I'm missing one. And then there's Romans 10.9. And Romans 10.9 says that if you'll believe in your heart that Jesus is, is God and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will be sozo. You'll be saved is the word in your English translation. But did you know that it's the word sozo? Wait a second, how do I get healed if I'm sick? Romans 10, 9, believe and confess. How do I get free from demonic activity? Romans 10, 9, believe and confess. Now, there's a lot of stuff here. There's a lot more revelation that I don't have time for in healing and deliverance. But I think of it this way. Salvation, healing, and deliverance biblically is a package deal. It's all part of it. Sickness is to the body what sin is to the soul. Okay, so how does someone get healed or why do people not get healed? You can answer that question by just equating it to why do some people get saved and others don't. There's issues of the heart and actually another place for sozo is in Luke chapter 8 with the parable of the sower. And in there the word saved appeared, but you could apply all that I'm teaching you right into that and it'll give you some synesis. 
on why sometimes people don't receive healing or deliverance, just like salvation. Why am I talking about this? Because it's through the weaving together of the Father's love over me and then being immersed in the church community with sound teaching, with great encouragement, with prophetic decrees over my life that I came into, I even had a chance to discover this spiritual intelligence or synesis, a word sozo in the New Testament. This is what God's doing in this year of the open door. Are you guys okay for one more example? Since we first heard, this is Colossians 1.9. Since we first heard about you, we've kept you always in our prayers that you would receive the perfect knowledge of God's pleasure or God's will over your lives, making you, I love this, making you reservoirs of every kind of wisdom and spiritual synesis. The word understanding is sunesis in the Greek. Making you a reservoir of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, what is a reservoir in the natural? Well, you know, it's an artificial lake. Mainly made by damming up a river. Usually as a water supply for a community. So when you receive God's pleasure over your life, you have the potential, the capacity to become a reservoir for, your, for spiritual intelligence. In order that, not just a bless me club for you, but in order that the community around you can also benefit from your supply. In other words, just like this word sozo, when I got that, that understanding, that spiritual intelligence on that, guess what happened to my ministry in praying for the sick? My faith level went way, way up. By a very large capacity. Because I saw in the ministry of Jesus in the New Testament. That this wasn't even God's heart. This was his will. That this was from the beginning what he wanted to do. Is that all sickness and disease would bow at the cross. That through the atonement of Christ. So that reservoir then in me. Guess who benefited? The people that may happen to be sick around me. The other Christians on my um, Healing Rooms team that we founded in 2009, we began to grow together. We began to encourage one another. We began to share revelation and understanding with one another. And other people would share things with me that I had never seen before. And I'm like, wow, this is incredible. So number three, sunesis or spiritual revelation has the capacity to make you a reservoir of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding. Does anybody uh, remember, you've been in the church long enough to remember the, the prophetic movement of the 80s and 90s? Um, prophecy had been around for a long, long time in terms of like the office of the prophet and like a, uh, a prediction of the future or another common understanding of it is Bible prophecy particularly the apocalyptic books like the book of Revelation and Daniel. But there's also a personal prophetic gift that's um, talked about in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 that um, many prominent leaders in the church began to teach and instruct and preach in the 80s. Um, one, one happens to be in our state um, down near the border with South Carolina, a man named Rick Joyner, for example. So... We used to live closer to that, that ministry, Morningstar, 
um, which is actually in Fort Mill, South Carolina, down there now. But people like Rick and others had whole teams and conferences to say, hey, the Bible says you all may prophesy. And all of the, well, it wasn't all of a sudden, but it felt that way. All of a sudden, it's like whole wings of the church, again, across denominations, begin to get this sunesis, a spiritual intelligence. Like, wait a second. So you mean it's not just about that guy who seems a little strange, but we love him, who comes and visits the church. And uh, I remember we had this guy named, uh, who was that guy with the fiery eyes, dad, that came to Maranatha when I was a kid. Um, He would pace back and forth like this. I mean, he was just like, and you just knew he was on a two-way call with the galore. I was terrified because I wasn't even a Christian. I was about where Mark's sitting, like, crawling under the chair. I'm literally, like, just trying to hide. We didn't have phones back then, so I couldn't pretend. But I'm just like, oh, God, don't let him call on me. What was that guy's name? My Lord, probably. He was a great guy. And he would just be like this, and he'd be like, you! Oh, God. You can imagine why I was terrified. And he would just start to read their email. I mean, just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I was terrified because I wasn't a Christian, but granted, it was probably really good stuff, right? And, but he had these flaming eyes. I mean, he just looking at his eyes from a distance terrified me. I'm like, oh, my God. He's going to know every thought I had. You know, I'm like in puberty, okay? He's going to know every thought I just had and call it out before the whole church. By the way, that's not the gift, biblically, of New Testament prophecy. I'm just telling a funny story. But... When the, the personal prophecy movement helped people to understand in the body of Christ that you didn't, it wasn't just the big guy or girl on the stage that was calling people out, hey, stand up, I got a word for you. I love that. I mean, I still love that to this day. I think that's an awesome and a valid ministry, but it's also just every little old me that's sitting in these chairs. Like I've already said earlier in the example with Kathy, is the Bible says that anybody can hear the heart of the Father for another person and just sit down and lovingly encourage, exhort, and comfort. 1 Corinthians 12. That's the ministry, the New Testament ministry of prophecy. It's not about calling out your dirty thoughts or your evil intentions. No, it's about the heart of a loving Father, one to encourage you and speak His plans and His purposes over your life. And everybody gets to do it. As John Wimber said, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, is we all get to play. Everybody gets to play. You see, synesis was the spiritual understanding that brought these things and made them possible within the church. I'm about done here. So how do I receive it? Easy. Just be with him. By being with Jesus in honest, authentic relationship, receiving his love, Guidance, correction, conviction of sin, and hope for your future with and in him. By trusting the Holy Spirit. Because remember what John 14, 16 says. Jesus' words right before he went to his execution. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Another word for advocate is another comforter. Or another teacher. Or another encourager. The Holy Spirit is called the encourager. He's also known as the counselor. I will give you another who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. 
The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Well, that later came at the day of Pentecost over 2,000 years ago. So like the 12-year-old Jesus in the above passage, the early disciples had a similar recognition from others about them. I mentioned this again last week, but Acts 4.13, the council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary guys who had never had any religious training. So they're older, but they're kind of like this 12-year-old Jesus. They hadn't been to school. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. So you say, well, how do I grow in spiritual understanding and revelation? That's the answer. Simply spend time with him in real and authentic relationship. No religion. There's no more hoops to jump through. You don't have to pretend to be somebody that you're not. Just be honest. Let him come and reveal his heart. Let him shine lights on some of the secret sins or whatever. Let him deal with that. But be honest, knowing that there's no shame now. There's no condemnation. In conclusion, I want to read you an entry from my personal journal from this past July the 25th. I had just, in my time with Jesus and spending time with him and pressing into his heart, I had just read this simple verse in Matthew 13, 52. It says this, he responded, every scholar of the scriptures who is instructed in the ways of heaven's kingdom realm is like a wealthy homeowner with his house filled with treasures, both new and old. Okay, so I read that simple scripture. Let's, let me look at it again. Every scholar, that's you, of the scriptures who is instructed in the ways of heaven's kingdom realm is like, okay, what's it like? A wealthy homeowner with his house filled with treasures, both new and old, and he knows how and when to bring them out to show to others. So I read this and I began to pray about it. And I just simply said, Holy Spirit, could you show me what this is? What do you want to show me in my life about this? And this is what I wrote and what I felt, what I heard in my heart, the mind of my heart. As a lover of Jesus and his written word, as I'm taught by the Holy Spirit about the ways of the kingdom, it's like I own a beautiful large house that is filled with both profound old spiritual teachings, like from our spiritual great-grandfather, a Welshman named Arthur Burt, or from our pastors that we grew up with, Byron Wicker and Jim Hill, etc., and you fill in the blank for yourself. It's like all of those profound spiritual teachings and revelations they had are in this house. And in the house is included new revelations of my own and kingdom-oriented people in my community around me. There is an appointed time for new revelations of the Bible or the ways of Jesus to be revealed. However, it takes discernment to know which are of God and which are of the flesh with good intentions and which sometimes could be downright demonic. For example, a few years back, a man named Rob Bell wrote a popular revelation down in a book that espoused the idea that there's no such thing as hell. These are examples of demonic revelations that we do need to not be afraid of, but we need to be aware of by being grounded 
in the word of God. And being rooted and grounded in an understanding of the word of God and in relationship with him. Your knower will know. Watch the witness of your spirit. Something, if something says to you when you watch that YouTube video, I don't know. It's not necessarily even what they said, but there's something that just doesn't sit right with me. Take that to the Lord. Take that to your quiet time and spend time in the Holy Spirit and in the scripture, rightly dividing the word of truth. No one wants to be led astray. Now, I've met Christians who were terrified. I mean, literally terrified that they would fall prey to these. I was like, listen, you don't have to be afraid because the Holy Spirit is the counselor. He is there to reveal. It says everything that Jesus taught us. Don't enter in or listen to stuff like, oh, my God, what if? No, but just simply be wise. Ask for the gift of discernment as you're as you're coming across things. I mean, some of the great heresies of history, like Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, claimed that he had these revelations in North America about the lost tribe of Israel. And it's where that 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 sect, that cult came from, even the prophet Muhammad said that he had these angelic encounters. They were obviously fallen angel encounters. They were demonic encounters. Don't get me started. And it's the world's second leading religion. So these things do happen. And please don't misunderstand me. I am not espousing that you go home, sit down, and just dream up some new revelation. I'm not talking about that. No. This is the importance of church community around us. To where if I go to Don, I'm like, Don, I got this new revelation. And Don was listening to me. He's like, bro, I hear you, but something is not biblically accurate about that. And here's why. You see, we have just done what I espoused earlier, that in the comfort and love of the Holy Spirit and a Christian community, we can love one another with truth. And we can speak that over one another. Now, on the other hand, There are legitimate, I'm back to my journal now, new to our generation. Again, not new like it wasn't in the Bible. It's always in there. But there's like layers of an onion revelation that God just peels back in his knowingness that the Spirit of God is clearly wanting to reveal in this year. Like, for example, um, 20 years ago, a pastor named Bill Johnson wrote a book called When Heaven Invades Earth. To me, it's a vivid example of this. Like an archaeologist, I search for these mysteries, yet I am concerned about my own ambitions once I have found them to use for my own gain. I don't want to do that. So if you see me doing that, just call me out if you want to lovingly. It's not for that. It's not for our purpose. It's for the glory of Christ. It's so that his church can be built up and equipped and move forward together in love. So I just simply wrote in my prayer, I don't want to do that, Lord. Help me, Lord. I want with all my heart to know your truths and ways that have been hidden. But I I don't want to profit or build my own reputation off of what was meant to set captives free. This is my heart. And I believe that the Lord wants to impart to you This same spiritual intelligence, this SI, if you will, to use the analogy from the modern concern. This spiritual intelligence that maybe for some of us, this is sort of like a new idea. It's going to begin like a little seed. 
But if you'll continue to press into the Lord and have fun with him in his heart, he's going to show you things that I promise you will blow your mind, literally and spiritually. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.